0: The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundation.org. To you from God our Father and from our dear Lord Jesus, the architect of our faith, the source of our righteousness. The Word of God that we consider this morning is this beautiful lesson from Romans chapter 4, the second in our Romans series. I was thinking long and hard about how to begin my first sermon with you. And as I thought about the Word of God that I'm privileged to preach this morning, a thought came to mind. Every congregation that the Lord Jesus has blessed me with serving, has been a gift of grace that eternity will be just simply too short for me to adequately fall on my knees and praise him forever. But I want to tell you this, and I don't want you to get a big head. I really mean it, and I'm I'm not just trying to flatter you. In a very real way, I feel that my beginning of this ministry here is the greatest blessing I've been given to this point, as far as ministry goes. I say that for for many reasons. But one of them simply is this, that I get to start my preaching ministry among you, In and it's so fitting, this towering skyscraper of the Bible that we call the Book of Romans. You see, Luther was so right when he introduced this book saying that that it was the the pinnacle of the New Testament. It it is the purest gospel teaching that the Lord has delivered before us. What we are looking at is a light so bright that it it illuminates the entire scripture so that if we had the book of Romans and the book of John, we would pretty much have all of the Bible right there before us. In neither of my two previous congregations was I blessed to start preaching on this book but I am with you. And so my prayer is that God would richly bless our study this morning and that from the first day onward, he would bless our meditation on God's word with great joy and abundant fruits. So today I am blessed to to cover for you one of the most, I guess, used words. People know it everywhere people speak it everywhere it's a concept that you don't have to be a christian to speak out loud but but it's something that is very little understood i believe and that is the word faith today we're going to cover what god in his word in this section in romans has to teach us about that virtue called faith and as i think about the events of last weekend with the garbage can being hurled through our window and then later on in this week with that horrible murder-suicide that took place. Not here, of course, but in the hospital, in the Bronx-Lebanon hospital. I say to myself, a lesson on a true and living faith is something that is deeply needed in our hearts and in our community. And so today, we're going to, for many of you, review the teachings of faith. For some of you it's going to be new and fresh And in both cases. I want us leaving today knowing a little bit better than we ever have what it really means to believe. What what faith gives us, the blessings that are ours through this virtue called faith and how it comes to us, how we get it, how we grow in it. And my ultimate aim for us this morning is that we would leave these doors rejoicing, more joyful than we ever have, at being believers in our Lord Jesus. That we leave here better equipped than we've ever been to actually share with somebody what it means to believe and and to share with them the cause of faith. And and, and finally, that that we would be all the more committed to returning here Sunday after Sunday so that we can continue growing in faith. So are you ready? You ready? Yeah. Yeah, well, let's go. Let's grow in our faith. Romans chapter 4. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our righteousness. The very first thing that we need to know about faith is what it is. What is this thing called faith? After reading this portion of God's Word, tell me. What is it? Yeah. Your beliefs in what? It's hope in what? In something you can't see. All beautiful, wonderful answers. If we look at what Abraham is doing. His heart is simply trusting. It is trusting a very clear and specific promise of God. Even if the promise itself seems absurd and outrageous, and it was in Abraham's case, of course, because, because God asked Abraham to believe that in old age, already when he was 75 years old, that someday he and his wife Sarah would have a son, And and as time went on, and it took 25 years finally for that that promise to be fulfilled, through it all, Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding that promise. He, He took his hold of that promise, held it up before his eyes, and he said, I don't know how, Lord, but you said. You said that I would have a son who would be the first in a line of sons who would finally give me my Savior, and and impossible as it sounds, and crazy as it is to my own reason, I I will not doubt you. I refuse. I believe. I trust. That's what faith is. Trust in a clear and specific promise of the Lord. Is that earth-shattering news for many of you? I suppose not. And yet, as in so many things in life, sometimes the simple truths and the simple lessons can have the most profound impact. Because you now know what faith is, trust in a clear and specific promise of God, what kind of an impact does that have in your life? So I want you to think of two different scenarios. I want you to think of person A, who has not heard of any promise of God, and therefore cannot have any faith in the things that God has said. And so person A loses their job, or gets stuck in a dead-end job, or maybe three days before court they're going to fly out to a major city, the apartment falls through. Or somebody gets sick, really sick. So how does that person cope? What does that person say to him or herself? How do they deal with it? you and I, have been given clear and specific promises of God. Promises like, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear because your life is so so much worth more than, than these things. Your life is worth more than many sparrows. I will provide for you. But now you lose your job. How do you deal with it and how do you cope? Lord, put your plan A into action now. I need your help. And you promised. And you are not a liar. And you will never start lying to me. I believe and I trust. What a profound difference that makes in our life, right? When we know what faith is, and when we have that faith, when we don't. All of us will suffer. All of us will go through hardships. But through the faith and the promises of God, we will suffer with hope. We will suffer with courage. And we will even suffer with joy knowing that in God's good time, He will fulfill His promises to us. What a blessing it is to have faith, isn't it? Oh yeah. And that leads me then to spin the diamond a little bit before you and just think about a second facet of this gift of faith that we have been given. It brings into our lives a tremendous blessing. A blessing that Paul sums up here in one sweet, beautiful word. Did you catch that word? Righteousness. Righteousness means to measure up to to, to the standard that God himself has set, so that he looks at you and he says, you and I, we are right together. The relationship between you and me is absolutely right. Now, I think that sometimes it's a blessing that that we take for granted and we can undervalue. And and I think that sometimes this blessing of righteousness is underappreciated by us because frankly we struggle at times to see our need for it. Part of what it means to be born sinful in this world means that we are born blind to how far short we fall of the righteousness of God. And so our tendency is not to measure ourselves up to God's holy standard. Our tendency is to do what? It's to measure ourselves up to other people. And especially other people that we can find are worse than us. And so sometimes I think that's why we we kind of really feel attracted to gossip because gossip makes us feel better about ourselves as we compare ourselves to other people. (laughs) Well, at least I am not doing this. At least I am not that. In so many ways, we play this comparison game. And yet all of that just shows how desperately we need to be right with God. Because all of that, this pride, is the dirty sin of self-righteousness. And so perhaps right now, we can say to ourselves, Oh, to have the righteousness that can avail before God so that He would look at me and He would find something that He is pleased with. I want you to jump up and down for joy right now because that is really the blessing, the the blessing par excellence, the, the, the great blessing that our Lord has for us through this gift of faith. I mean, this is the whole enchilada here in this section of Romans, isn't it, right? Where, 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 where Paul is going to great lengths and, and, and great concern to hoist up Father Abraham and say, this man was not righteous before God. He did not measure up to God's standard because he was circumcised or because he tried his best to do his work or, or to be even good and kind to other people. All of his works were completely outside of him. This man measured up to God's standard because God, in his mercy, simply just credited all of the righteousness of the Savior in whom Abraham believed. It's kind of like this. When Abraham believed God, God opened up for him this spiritual bank account and just deposited into his account the complete and total and full righteousness of his Holy Son. And so we hear it again and again. Abraham believed God... And that faith was credited as righteousness. And and this is the thing that you and I want to have here in our hearts and not, not walk out of these doors without this certainty. That what God says about Abraham here, that through this gift of faith, there is righteousness, the righteousness of the Savior Jesus. That's not just God's plan for Abraham. It is God's plan for you and for me and for everyone who believes. Verses 23 and 24, could they be any clearer? This was not written, it was credited, was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us who believe in the Lord Jesus. You and I, we need righteousness. You and I, through the gift of faith in Christ Jesus, have it in full. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. Through faith and the promise of your Savior, you stand right with God. It's a a tremendous gift because, because it enables us to live every single day, with a wonderful blessing in life. We always have a refuge to go to whenever we recognize how unrighteous and how dirty we are. When you feel your sin, when you feel that impulse and and you fall into sin, and, and you feel that you have fallen far short of the glory of God, just remember, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, all of his righteousness is yours. And that leads me then to one final facet of this teaching and this beauty and this virtue of faith. How do we get it? Because how do we grow in it and how do we share it? I mean, we want our loved ones, right? We want our loved ones to know the gift of Christ Jesus and to enjoy all of the the blessings that he gives, to, to enjoy that righteousness. So how does it come to us? Well, this lesson tells us that too, doesn't it? Those very first words that the Apostle Paul writes, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. And so what Paul wants us to consider is this, where did Abraham get his faith? I mean, how did this man hope against all hope? How could he look and, and, and consider a promise that God had given to him that was already absurd and ridiculous the moment God gave him, And then became only more absurd and ridiculous the more that time went. How did Abraham overcome that reason that was screaming inside of his brain louder than the seven train outside? You've got to be crazy. Fifty years ago, you were too old to be having babies. And yet, and yet he believes it. Yeah, you're saying to yourself, I don't think I would do it either, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. How How does that? But that's a question we all want to know, right? So what's the answer? Abraham was born with as sinful and as corrupt a mind as as anybody else, a mind that naturally had in its heart and mind hostility towards God. So so how how did it happen? What's the only answer? It didn't come from Abraham. His faith came completely from outside of him. That's what Paul says when he says that Abraham was strengthened. In other words... Something outside of Abraham gave Abraham the strength to believe a promise that was unbelievable. What is that thing that caused that faith? This is really cool. The very promise that God gave him that called for faith was the way in which God sparked that confidence in Abraham's heart to believe it. Abraham... Believed in the promised Savior because the promise of the Savior sparked that very faith in this man to receive it. And so from beginning to end, faith is a work and a responsibility that God does in our hearts through the gift of his Son. It's why Paul says this later on in Romans. Faith in Jesus comes from hearing the message, the message about Jesus. And it's why Paul said in that very first verse that that Pastor Tim preached for us last time, that he is not ashamed of the gospel because that gospel of Jesus is the power of God to spark the very salvation and create that very faith into which he deposits the righteousness that is all, all from Jesus. So knowing that, this is how I want to end my meditation on faith with you. Ready? Lean in, everybody. Lean in, Pastor Tim, and listen to me carefully. God loves you more than all the angels in heaven. He loves you more than the life of his own son. And more than anything else in the whole wide world, He yearns for you. And and, and as we saw in that first lesson, he wants to forgive you, and so he delivered his one and only son into death to do away with all of your sin. And because his son succeeded, he raised his son to life so that right now, you are pure you are righteous you are as dazzlingly beautiful as the son of god who was delivered over to death for your sins believe it well there you have it sermon one notched on the bell lesson on faith. So you know what faith is now, right? Trust and a clear and specific promise of God. You know what you have in faith and through faith, the blessing of righteousness, the very righteousness of your own Savior, and you now know better than ever where faith comes from. Just hearing the beautiful message of what God has done for us in Jesus. I just have one thing to say to you. Go out and enjoy your Fourth of July weekend Living as children of Father Abraham, yes, as children of your Heavenly Father, go out and live your faith. Amen. And the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus.